and we're live from another episode of Flag Down Podcast, the podcast that always agrees with your loose ball hold. Uh, with us tonight are uh, two um, high school referees uh, from the uh, SLOA, uh, Ben Volker and Brent Campbell. I'll uh, have them introduce themselves and they can like say like how long they've been reffing. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, three-man mechanics and like so both these individuals are somewhat new to three-man. Uh, so kind of like talk about like how that, you know, things change you know, focus-wise. Uh, so we'll go with Brent. Uh, Brent, talk to us, like, how long uh, you've been reffing and, uh, uh, you know, more about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. Um, again, Brent Campbell. Uh, I'm from Baltimore area. I went to Mount St. Joe, so don't hold that against me. Uh, was fortunate enough to play in college up in Pennsylvania at the Division three level, and I've been uh, refing for nine years. It took a little year between college and getting into it, but I've been doing it pretty much since I since I got out of actually playing. And uh, Ben? Yeah, Matt, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I have been around lacrosse for uh, you know, my whole life. I played at John Carroll, grew up in the Baltimore area, and this is my third year in the SLOA. Um, and I love being on the field and uh, working these different games. All right. So uh, most of the three-man stuff we do in the Baltimore area – is going to be NCA rules. Uh, we do have three-man uh, stuff uh, for the public high schools, uh, which do federation, but that's not as prevalent um, as it is for the NCAA. So uh, Brent has done, uh, you know, he's mainly done uh, three-man on the high school level, and then uh, Ben has done uh, three-man in a new uh youth uh club league uh for oh christ what's the age is it i, I don't know the 2025s 2025s so they're uh eighth graders but no one says eighth grade anymore um that's a bygone thing uh so this is like an elite league leaf uh hoko club or whatever and so we're doing you know full nca the only nca thing that uh is not being done is the dive uh, in that league, but so it's three man, you know, 80 second shot clock. And we've even got shot clocks uh, out there and everything. All right. Uh, so, uh, Brent, um, what was, you know, what are some differences between, and let's just focus on NCA for this instance. Uh, what are some differences that you've seen doing three versus two man with NCA rules? Uh, the biggest difference uh, with two guys and three guys, in my opinion, is uh, having to relax your your eyes from where you're just naturally predispositioned to like looking like where the action is, like knowing that, especially when you're the trail, because uh, with when the two man game, you you just you automatically want to try and help out with looking at things on the inside. Whereas now you've got the extra person on the single side down low to provide that assistance. So you can really have your, your attention be focused to some of the other things like making sure that the box is clear as you're coming up the field, uh, making sure that substitutions are clean in that area as well. 
um, having that extra set of eyes on the shot clock for being able to yell under so that everybody that's down by the goal line as passes are coming towards the crease on any quickly transitioning plays know what's going on there. Um, so having to really the trail, I guess, is what I'm getting at is where the, the, the largest amount of the changes come from, at least from my experience and opinion. OK, uh, Ben, what about you? Yeah, so I was going to echo the same with the trail, and you're slow getting up the field with the trail. But on the single side, um, you'd say you have an, an out-of-bounds ball that comes on your sideline. Um, that's not necessarily your whistle to blow in. You're, you're actually going to throw it across the field to the trail and get up to the cone. Um, that was a huge change for me being, you know, you're right next to the play. You want to blow it in. You want to be next to it and walk up the field with it when really you need to get up to the field to to then look for offsides, help with the count, and then get down to the goal line. Um, and then when you're the lead, almost turning your back and just hauling to the goal line so that you're on the goal line, that was also a change where in two-man, you're, you're kind of – you're still responsibility is goal line, but you just take a little bit more time getting down the field. Um, so the response – just learning those responsibilities um, – was a little bit different at first. Uh, one thing, um, so at, when when you're doing like the three-man games, and we had this, Brent and I did a uh, B conference game the other day, and you never know what you're going to get with the uh, shot clock. Um, so um, in this instance, we had the shot clock was run separately from the game clock. So the, the person running the shot clock had to start st like, so it wasn't like it was tied in with the uh, game clock. So um, how, how have you adapted, and I'll go to Ben first, Ben, how have you, uh, like how good are you, or how much have you looked at the clock more uh doing you know with the 80 second shot clock than you would uh, than you did prior to this when you didn't have to worry about it yeah so it's well first it's weird because i still think i reach for my buzzer uh when, when i have a reset um but yes you especially if you're the trail coming up watching that shot clock because if it when that situation met that you had the shot clock doesn't start for a few seconds, you're actually stopping play if it's not an imminent scoring opportunity um, to then get them to start the shot clock. And um, so you have to keep your eyes on it or watch the shot clock for um, when you go into a timeout or a different or a situation where they might reset it and there's not supposed to be a reset. So they might not have a recall button on that on their system. So you better constant, constantly be watching it uh, to make sure that you're not missing time or resetting it when you shouldn't. Brian, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be just a part of your, like, a nervous tick almost, where you're like, all right, where's the shot clock? Where are we at? Like, where you're just looking at it constantly. Uh, using the game we just did the other day as an example, uh, the, the shot, there was only one shot clock, and it was on perpendicular to the midline. So... And it was on the single side. So yeah, like single, on the really single side. See. Yeah, looking in at the benches. So the single side essentially wasn't really going to be able to provide much help at looking at that the whole game because 
you're not going to turn around <laughs> when, when there's right. action in front of you. So it, it was even more important for like, we talked like before the game started to be like, all right, the trail's going to be having, you know, the bulk of the work of looking at this here. But even in an ideal scenario where you've got a shot clock on both ends of the fields, you know, it, it should just become a practice of just, all right, the ball's away from the play. I can move in towards a little bit. What's happening with the shot clock now, even if that's not your chief responsibility, just so that somebody always has an eye as to what's happening there. Yeah, and then, I mean, with the timers, a lot of times they're high school kids or the this was brand new for Hoka. They've never done this before. So coaches were getting very frustrated and we had to remind them it was new for them too, but it was a learning experience for the timer um, and walking them through what the reset signal is and, you know, when are we resetting, when are we not? So, yeah. Uh, Brent, how many times did we have to catch the shot clock in the fourth quarter on Tuesday? three and it was always it was always like 10 seconds or less too <laughs> so critical critical seconds that were wasted off of that shot clock as the ball was out of bounds that you needed to that make a difference in a possession of a fairly close game like that that you got to make sure you get right for for those listening i like i cannot emphasize enough to always ha- just glance uh, at the shot clock, like um, Ben, what are you like? So when you um, do you talk to? I guess now, like third or fourth weekend, the people running the stuff at Hoko are pretty good at it now. But like, do you talk to them prior to games? Always, always. And, and then, so, like, what are you telling? Like, what are you telling them? Well, so now they have two two guys in the box in the yeah. I heard uh, the first week it was just one. <laughs> yeah, so one guy trying to so now they have two guys in the box. Um, so we're gonna tell them we're gonna explain to them the rules. We all, I even in a regular game I explained to them the penalty calls, technical foul versus personal foul things. But then with the shot clock, what the shot clock reset signal is, how we're gonna yell it out for him, how we're gonna keep yelling it at him. Um, on new possessions, on face-offs. Um, so we're going to talk them through it, make sure they understand the rule and make sure that they've done it before. So if they've done it before, the conversation's a lot shorter. But always, I, before every game, um, before the block, first block of games, I'll always talk to the timer and make sure they understand. So, like, how do you keep – so, Brent, like, how do you keep it as simple as possible for them to understand? Yeah, I, I think – you did something really well the other day that I like to do is really emphasize, like reset it when you actually see us signal to reset. Cause if you've got a kid working the box, they could hear a whistle during a timeout and just kind of automatically flip the button. Right. And that resets it. And we, that might, you're not going to have a reset right there. So you gotta, again, keep an eye on the plot. So making sure that they know like, Hey, you're, you're watching me and the other guys with the stripes on for when we raise our hand and twirl it around and yell reset um that that's when you're going to be actually you know flipping it to go back to that 80 seconds so that you don't have any kind of miss resets or, or anything along those lines when it shouldn't happen yeah i think like the key thing is like they don't need to know the rule like look right. you're looking at the pasty guy with the big ears <laughs> And just whenever I make the whenever I make this signal, and I'm it's an audio medium here, but I'm doing my little reset twirl. Whenever you see me do this, and that's when you do it. 
Like that's well, all you're looking at. Hoko had the shot clock. Um, had the weird. Had the shot clock basically was kind of like basketball, where it shut off initially in the first game. So when it yeah. got when it got under a minute twenty, it shut off. But you would still have <laughs> under. You still had under. So you may be. You may have backcourt in play, so trying to get them to kind of fix the setting to make sure that the shot clock was still on the whole quarter just so that you had um, backcourt in play and the counts right. So there are three questions you always want to ask, you know, the shot clock person. A, have you done this before? All right, B, What's the second question? Anybody? With regards just to the shot clock and its operation. Uh, can it be reset manually or is it synced to the scoreboard? Okay, does it does it have a recall button? Recall so button. actually there's, I'm asking four questions, sorry. So have you done this before? Great, okay. Can it be, re can you have, do you have a recall function? Okay, what are the other two? When it hits zero, uh, does it make a noise? Yeah. Does it make a noise on its own? And the fourth one, as Ben just said, if it goes under a minute, is it shutting off? Okay. Uh, ben, do you know how to fix that? Have uh, Do you have uh, expertise in Dactronics? <laughs> no, but Jason Parks did when he was there. <laughs> there you go. He walked. Brandon, he walked have you ever uh, worked at Dactronics before? No. So this is the joy of being a uh, coach. So I've, uh, I so earlier this year, Mount Saint Joe, they had an issue where it shut off. So I had to go up to the press box, go into settings. So you got to click on settings, and you got to click, or you have to click menu. And you got to get the ga uh, game settings and scroll down until uh, to the shot clock. And it finally says like shot clock synced with game clock. And you click, yep. And uh, also had to do that at uh, FNM. So they also had the same. So I had to, by the way, they're gorgeous stadium. And I got to experience all of it as I walked up the three flights. To but yeah, so. Ben, you need to learn more about Dactronics. Well, I was just taking notes here. So menu, game settings, and then shot clock synced with game clock. There so in my game Saturday afternoon, hopefully I'm after Brent, but uh, we'll make sure that that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because that's like a basketball thing, because basketball, you know, shuts off or whatever. And so, yeah, that's a... And I've also, um, I think football. I think, it, I don't know, because someone said it was a football game prior. Oh, because of the play clock, if the play, uh, yeah, because it's a play clock, and clock's not going to matter if it's under a certain time. Correct. So just a lot of, a lot of fun stuff there. Um, what, uh, how many, uh, 
what's been uh, uh how have you been dealing with um like uh watching areas like do you ever find yourself and it, it may be i think the more games you do uh the more comfortable you are to kind of like look around as you get used to the speed or whatever um but uh in like some of your recent games have you ever like uh taken a chance to like look at like if you're lead or if you're single or uh tra- uh, have you ever like looked up at you, you know the other official and, and singular trail and they're looking at the same thing you are? Has that happened to you yet? Where like you've looked up, you're like, oh shoot, we're looking at the same thing, right? Yeah, and, I think that happens. I think that happens when I'm like the single side and you're you revert back to two man. To so you're looking at the goal or you take that step towards the end line because you thought it was yours. Um, it's not, that's the lead. So that's the, that was the biggest thing that I did at first was I'd start working myself towards the goal line, um, on the single side. You actually have to like, and this is something that I had to do is you actually have to mutter to yourself. I'm single. Like I'm, like, because <laughs> um, and, and invariably, I'll have to say that after I blow the whistle, you know, saying it's out on the end line. And um, I remember doing that with a buddy of mine, and he just stared at me like, you're an idiot. It's true. But, like, you have to, like, a lot of times, because sometimes you're used to having the single side, um like on a different side of the field than where it is if like you're used to a field and they switch the benches you know from year in to year out and it kind of screws you up because you're a creature of habit but yeah i I always have to like tell myself i'm single like that's something that i've like said brent what about you i was gonna say this might only make sense in my head but like my my comfy spot when i'm the lead is even in two man is being like a little bit below gle so Mm -hmm. i'm like all right, if I'm a little bit, and then when I'm the single side, I like to be a little bit above GLE to kind of like mirror that. So like in my head, it's like, all right, if I'm standing above GLE, I know that I'm not on the end line. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> weird, but it works for me. <laughs> Just because I know if I'm standing on the other side, I'm standing below closer to the end line. <laughs> no, I, I also like how in your head, you, you're running like the, the two, two, two mirror set, you know, right. Like one. <laughs> Like one attack was going above. I got, I got to get pulled out. You know, that's, that's, that's nice. That's very nice. No, I, I mean, uh, I think we all have like our own little things or whatever that like definitely makes sense to us that, you know, may or may not work. Um, uh, Ben, how many three man games have you done so far this year? Uh, probably about 10. Okay. Not all, not all, not all have been that eighth grade. Um, probably five or six have been the eighth, that the eighth grade, and then a couple were um, like seventh graders or we had just games. There was like a COVID cancellation, yeah. so, so yeah. just going, just going and working. Um, and it's good to just have that rotation. You you learn the rotations, especially like between quarters or between goals where you're switching sides. But yeah, it's it's been close to ten. What, um, 
three man with like that. So the that eighth grade twenty twenty five league. Um, speed wise, like how uh, how are you getting used to it? Are you feel like you're kind of like in a groove now with it, or? Yeah, I mean, I the first game I. I did. I started off with uh, two of the top teams in the league, so a nice, easy way into the season, um, which was fast, and you heard a lot. Um, I think it's just like anything you do. The more you do it, the slower it's going to get, like the more comfortable you're going to get with it. Um, it's not, the biggest change was, you know, being the lead and hauling to the goal line i think at first um realizing that your partners have it behind you so yeah um it's definitely slowed down once you do it brent what's um what are some like the weird things because uh you're doing so you're doing three man and like b and c conferences for high school so um that's where like crazy stuff happens you know and high school you know kids are they're idiots and so like idiot things happen so like um what are some you know what have you seen like three-man style um that's kind of like maybe like taking you aback or just been it's been like a little bit of uh just something to get used to or whatever or something like you've now learned that like hey this is something i gotta focus on yeah, there's a couple of things. Uh, Brian or Brian Ben mentioned it earlier is having to remember like not all which restart is yours, right? Like when whether it's a shot or if it is a turnover, we're going the other way. Where are you at? Where are you at on the field? Who blew it out? All, all of those things. So having to remember that there's a a third person out there uh, to to like remember whose responsibility is what. That's the initial thing to get adjusted to. The other thing from a positioning standpoint that took a little bit of adjusting to, at least for me, is on the face-offs. Um, two man, you know, you're you're all you're running right. So like all of your, you know, natural body language is taking you out that way. And then this time you're doing it and you're running left. And then that even and that's if you're the single side actually doing the face-off. And that also applies to whoever is uh, running left on the trail lead side as well, because when they're coming in and coming out, you know, they're coming out a different way after helping out administering the face off. Um, Which I, to interject, like we're one of the few, I think most organizations now nationally for two man run left, mm -hmm. which I mean, <laughs> The main reason why we stayed right is just be stay running right. Uh, it's just because we have a lot of veterans who are just used to going right. Um, I think running left does help you with getting ready for three man. I don't think it's that hard to overcome. So like, I don't know of like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's fine if you do it I think it's six one way, half a dozen the other, to be honest with you. Right. Um, some people might disagree with that, but that's just my opinion with all that. But yeah, so like you were talking about face-offs. Yeah, so that that was something that, I mean, but once you start 
doing it right it really only takes like a game and especially if you, maybe you do two games in a row to like really hammer it home you've you've got that body motion down and, it, and it's, it's just like riding a bike every other time but that was definitely something as a face-off guy like i like to be in there in there watching it and realizing that like especially if you're not the single side you're supporting that you can't do that you got a goal that you have to actually get back and watch so be, being able to get used to that was something that uh i wasn't expecting for <laughs> well and it's funny you mentioned the face-offs because so you when you had a face-off violation this is something completely new for me being the trail in three man was turning and holding the box you know like actually making sure you hold the box um in two men you're just kind of blowing it back in and getting going where three men if you're the trail turning and holding that was something to me that was brand new it makes sense i just never thought it took a while for me to actually pick it up and do it yeah it's annoying you have more response you're like expected to like pay attention to more stuff <laughs> and it's it, it's a double-edged sword Right. <laughs> um any like uh crazy plays or play situations that you've had so far ben yeah so um had one where an offensive player was driving to the goal shoots scores and then drops his shoulder and runs over the defender like plows right through the defender right in front of the so he it happened right in front of the goal official mm -hmm. on the on the trail and then um so the goal official had the goal he didn't really see the the um attackman just plow over the defender single side had it but he had a better view he threw the flag for an illegal body check um after the goal it was very bang bang um so it, it was something I had never seen before, and it probably I've never heard of that before. Holy hell! Yeah, you the <laughs> offensive player giving the defensive player the business after he's Ron Cherry. Yeah, just yeah, exactly <laughs> giving him the business. Yep. Oh my god! Um, and so it's going the other way. Did you administer the penalty in the box, or did the the, the single side did who threw the flag? But it's oh, okay. Behind. okay. Um, but it was because it was after the. But yeah, it was after yeah, the good. goal, and he just ran, just dropped his shoulder. He it, he didn't even pull up. He just dropped his shoulder right into the defender and ran him right over. God, I've literally never heard of that. That is hilarious. Yeah. And I'm sure we have game film of it. We'll see if we can find it. I would love for game film of that. <laughs> God, I, I God, I intensely desire game film of that. So you, Brent, so you what had do you got? You're not gonna ball. be able to top that probably, but I like let's what do you got? So you had a dead ball, illegal body check, team that just got scored on, started with the ball. Is that how that got administered? Team that yeah, so the team that just got scored on got the free clear like we were in yeah. MYLA rec. Thankfully it was a ten goal game, but oh, there <laughs> so, you go. but yeah. Oh, I haven't had anything too crazy happen this season yet. Um, the only thing that's even remotely unique uh, was in a JV MIAA game. Uh, so this is only two guys, so not three man, but on a face off, the 
it was Calvert Hall versus St. Paul's. The St. Paul's face-off guy was six inches, probably 50 pounds heavier than the other kid. He just was way stronger. But the Calvert Hall kid kept getting the faster clamp. Mm-hmm. So as he would get the ball, he would probably have 60% of it. St. Paul's would have 40% of it. St. Paul's kid would keep pushing his stick to try and reclamp the ball, and the Calvert Hall's head would go back towards him with the ball kind of in the back of his stick. The St. Paul's player's stick would be on top of it with the ball in between. It was not, we, we, we weren't calling withholding because his head wasn't collapsed on top of the ball between the ground and the stick on top of the stick. In our opinion, the ball, they were still fighting for the fate ball because it was still between both the sticks. Okay. The Calvert Hall coach had a, a, a disagreement with our administration of that rule, but it was pretty, pretty clear that it was just a case of the kid being stronger than the other kid and forcing his stick backwards with the ball still in between the heads. So it looked goofy, but was clean. How long were they um, together? Oh, maybe a second, right? Like they they were pulling it out. The Calvert Hall kid was ripping it out right after that, but it was never a clean pull out because of that 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 is one of those ones where fans that probably don't need video of that one but i think we would need video for yours you know just the because it's oh god the face-offs i like so um when you're the uh the helper so you're running lead left um how are you guys lining up like, what are you looking at, you know, where where you're lining up as lead left? So I found that sometimes, and I, this, it, it kind of depends on what the single side likes to do. Because I've had guys that are, when they're on the single, they like to kind of look down the line and make sure that the sticks are straight up and down and then kind of circle back. So mm-hmm. if they're starting down the line, then I would kind of start looking straight at the heads to make sure that the ball's in the middle of the stick. Um, but if they're going to start behind looking at the ball being in the middle of the head of the stick, then I would kind of be off on a little bit to the angle to make sure that no hands are on the, the line, uh, butt ends are off and sort. So I I don't really have one particular spot. I kind of look to see like, all right, the single side's doesn't have the best angle to see this so i'll kind of adjust myself to be a little bit of a better spot to support that blind spot if you will but how close are you getting in there ah, not super close maybe or depends on what's super close i would say that i'm definitely within like five yards and that's then- super close okay <laughs> super close you do realize that there's a goal that you gotta <laughs> yeah i i i'm i'm typically backpedaling out uh as the whistle blows okay you're gonna get hit sooner or later this is why i asked this question so i'm gonna ben what about you uh so i'm not getting super close if there and if there's a circle if there's a circle on that field i try to have my heels on it around that circle and i'm at a diagonal so then i can um the first thing i'm doing is actually looking to where that defender is lined up off my right that's Um, what you got to do so I don't want to get plowed over. I'm a big guy, but I'm sure that kid could still run me over. All right. Yeah. So like, however, whichever angle you want to take, take that angle. But 
angle it so that when you look over your right hand shoulder, when you're standing still, you're even with or uh, even or below where the uh, middies are on the near side. So that prevents you from getting plowed because that way you don't have to back up and you're right there. And so then if you need to move, excuse me, you're moving, you know, everybody's in front of you because you can see it. So that's just longevity wise, Brent, you're going to get crushed sooner yeah. later doing your thing, just which if you want to live dangerously, do. <laughs> all right, you know, ride that dragon. All right. But I would, as you get older and everything fails on you because, right. you know, you drive a minivan and life's over. All right. <laughs> like, like me, uh, I would, you know, look to the right. <laughs> <laughs> um, any game, any, uh, so any good games coming up, Brent? Like what's um, your next outing? My next outing is I'm at Beth Tefilla, so I got a C Conference varsity game tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but apparently my two o'clock game for that elite eighth grade uh, league is the number one and number two teams playing each other. So that has the potential to be one of the better games I have all year. <laughs> there we go. I am definitely getting to my game early to watch that. Uh, so uh, the um. Those games, are they all at Troy? Troy yeah, won. Troy, yeah, Troy won. Okay, because they got the hard wire. Yeah. I will, and I will, this is an opinion. Um, I, I totally think that ref in the club games is tougher than um, – most high school games because with a high school game i know who the head coach is that's very easy for me to understand whereas with the club games i've got three or four coaches who all consider themselves in most in most instances not all most instances um who all are you know will give their opinions as the, you know as a you know "Quote unquote head coach," so it's it's a little it it's it's way more managing, and if you're especially and I think this kind of happened, um, you know, like when you're getting used to three man and you're running through that, and then you have to then deal with like the the, the interaction with the coaches, it, it really does get it get to be a lot. So I think hopefully I think from what I've heard, we're doing a much better job of that and just. Oh, you know, like okay. But then also my, as Ben will no doubt tell you, my tolerance for, you know, club coaches talking to me is way less than. Yes. <laughs> just, just something that's a thing for me. That's uh, uh, that Matt. That'll still be one of my top moments ever. <laughs> <laughs> I just it was Sunday. It was a it was a very calm day. I 
threw a flag. Coaches were then upset about a player. Their you know kid got hit right in front of their bench. And Christ, the kid that did it did not mean to do it. Like he, his eyes were as big as dinner plates right afterwards. Um, because you know the kid's like lying on the ground or whatever. The other kid. So threw the flag for the hit. Coaches were very upset about the hit, to which I may have responded, may. It's hypothetical, of course. Um, I threw the goddamn flag. Jesus Christ, what are you yelling about? Um, that may or may not have been the best way to handle that. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> I was right. But just, yeah, the, the coaches, the, I mean, the, I feel like the coaches might have gotten a, a little bit of the memo this year and also were a little bit more uh, strict and just shutting it down. It, if you let it, if you let it happen, they're just going to keep going all game. So um, we had we had a verbal warning, I think, in the first quarter the other day ju- just to get it to stop. And it did. Huge fan of the latter. Huge fan of just, you know, you lose possession. Love it. Huge fan. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for talking to us about Three Man. This has been another excellent edition of Flagdown Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you all later. Have a good one, everyone. See you. Thanks, Matt. No problem.